episode 231 of the Win and Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual, it's Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. Jordan, we are recording during the day. Uh, this may explain my slightly perkier than usual voice. It may explain background noise coming from all sides, but we're doing this earlier than I think we expected to. I don't know if we fully anticipated a July 1st free agency books podcast, but here we are. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Do you remember the note I threw in at the end of our last podcast? Do you remember, do you remember our name I threw in? And you, you got a little excited at the time. Um, I don't remember hearing Chris Copeland's name. So, no. Well, I'll put his name in at the end of this one, because, I mean, looking at the progression of things here, he's a strong contender to be next. It was Ursan, Ursan Elisova. Um, the Bucks needed a backup four this year. They didn't have a lot of money. They needed someone who would help them defensively, could shoot a little bit, would buy into the system. And unsurprisingly, that led them to Ursan Elisova. I say unsurprisingly, obviously we weren't fully expecting Ursan to be back, but I do think this is a move that there's at least some kind of logical tread we can pull out of what they're doing, why it's him, all of these sort of all of these sort of relevant factors. Do you agree with that, Jordan? It's not completely out of the left field, at least. There's there has been and they have been undone since some stranger moves um, in the time since then that would have been much harder to explain than the books deciding Ursan Elisova was a guy they wanted to sign. Yeah, I agree completely. I think the only thing really surprising me and all Bucks fans is the timing of it. I mean, I was on, as every free agency, you had to be aware of, and especially because we're in the blogger business. Um, <laughs> You have to be aware of any signings that come through. I did not expect the Bucks to have an agreement in place with Ursan Ilyasova at what eleven oh four oh five oh six oh seven p.m. at I, night. Was so, it even that long after? I, I think was, I feel like it was like yeah, that might be stretching a little. bit. I think it was like one minute after, and I mean, considering how there were other things being revealed long before free agency officially opened. I think it might've just been a matter of, you know, it took Roger a little bit of time to get to it, but yeah. Um, three year, $21 million deal. Final year, non-guaranteed, which essentially assuming kind of standard raises on that means he's coming in with a deal. That's basically 13.6 million over two years, which 
really fine. I mean, I, I think there's been there has been a pretty strong reaction to this from some people. I don't strong know. reaction. What <laughs> for Bucks fans? Oh yeah, okay, you've got me. Um, I I think this is just it's it's a fine contract, and as I noted, it's kind of in writing about it. I think over the course of those two years, it could become a good contract. There wasn't a whole lot they were doing now. I think the one thing we, we'll agree on on this, and we'll probably get into a little bit more, is it is very safe. It is very unspectacular. It can help them in the now, maybe help them to get better in the medium term, but it's showing nothing towards a long-term kind of finding something out of nothing. I mean, Ursan's 31, and that's even, you know, if we're believing he's 31, as they've added to their collection of players where their ages can come with a question mark. But this, to me, is a major position role of need. Maybe their greatest on the roster, just in terms of having someone there. I'm not saying they couldn't do with a better option at point guard that fits better, or a better option at center. What they literally needed to find a way to do in the offseason was get a get a backup power forward. They've done that. And on this contract, I don't know. I think there's already a worse contract or a couple of worse. There are obviously better contracts. The biggest thing for me on this is that third year being non-guaranteed means in the summer of 2020, you can have Ursan off the books, Delhi off the books, oh, Henson off the books. Snell has his player option, which right now you're guessing he takes. But who knows? Things could change between now and then. He could be opting out as well. So all of a sudden, you're coming to that point in time where really most of your role players um, and guys who you would imagine they will be not too disappointed to move on from would be hitting free agency, leaving significant flexibility in what would be the final summer before Yanis may potentially hit free agency, depending if he qualifies for an extension. So with all of that, I, I actually think the timeline works. If Ilyasova is good this year, having additional years will be a big positive. I know this is something that Zach Lowe and people have talked about in recent years, but the cap is going to go up again next year, and there is going to be lots of money available. There's a very good chance that Ursam would have fetched more than $6.5 million next summer if he has a good season. And if we're judging by what he's done with the Sixers, what he's done with the Hawks. I mean, those two, I think, particularly over his time since he left Milwaukee, he's shown a lot of really, really good stuff. I Look, we've all been through the Ursan experience and remember what it was with the books. I think it, it's somewhat interesting, the idea of him coming back and see how it works because the league has changed since then. I think his role has definitely changed. His role with the books will be different and the books are a completely different team as well. And with all of that, I don't think this is the worst deal. Would I have preferred Joe Harris? Yes. But I think they could have done worse. And in terms of any... Well, we know they could have. In terms of any possibility of, you know... Well, why did they Why did they pay now? Why didn't they wait it out? I, I think the answer to that one's simple. I think Ursan is their guy. I think they really wanted him. And before anyone balks at that, Mike Budenholzer and his Hawks coaching staff really liked Ilyasova when he was in Atlanta a couple of years ago. That probably has a significant influence on this. They want someone who's going to come in, buy into what they've done, know what they're doing. He fits that bill as well as someone, guys like Giannis, Chris, John Henson already know. Guys at the, fr are the front office also 
Dave Dean and John Horst obviously were around when her son was there before. I, th I think there's a lot of reasons they may have wanted to go for him. And there was interest. From what we hear, there was interest. Brian Windhorst mentioned on the jump that, you know, the Sixers would the probably have considered. Well, Sorry. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Bucks. I mean, they had, after Ilya Silva got bought out by the Hawks, he was, the Bucks were linked to him. They were one of the play, the teams that were vying for his services before he went to Philadelphia. So it's not just the Boone Holzer connection and the, you know, Ilya Silva previously play, playing for the Bucks. I mean, they were trying to get him this last year. So I think that further enforces it, though, right? I mean, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You could, because it's one thing to be interested in him at a minimum, it's another to be <laughs> opening up free agency and signing him with one of the, the few chips you have to play with. And that is, that is the, the Bucks' signature, following up on players that they've previously had. We've talked in. about this a lot. Like it's, it's pretty ridiculous at this point how there's never a surprise in terms of it's always being flagged up of it's someone they already know or they've already looked at trading for. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe because we're just so clued in, we only notice that. But I don't know how much that's the extent with other teams around the NBA. With the books, it always feels like there's some level. It comes, of, it comes out through reports. Right. There's some level of exploration or knowledge there already. What is your feeling on this? Are you... I'm in a place... I'm. I Overall, I think I would just err on this is a good deal. It's fine. It will make the books better. Doesn't mean there won't be better options, but I think the option they were very clear on wanting was Ilyasova, and maybe the option they were very clear on just making sure they solved was backup power forward. Because if they didn't solve it with someone they like now, uh, I don't know what the avenues that they have to explore that closer to the season were going to be. Yeah, the the need is obviously there. I mean, that was I wrote about in the roundtable um, Saturday. I mean, we potted about it with free agency previews. Combo forward or forward, stretch forward, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the Bucks need a, a forward. And this is, b besides the whole Jabari issue, because that's a whole other thing, they still needed to kind of uh, cover all their bases. Because it, we talked about, the or you mentioned it the other day, the drop-off from going from Giannis to DJ Wilson is like falling off a cliff. <laughs> that's, that's basically what it is. Um, as far as... You know the deal itself, and possibly other options. I mean, I kind of am feeling the same way as I did with the Divincenzo pick. Honestly, I think it's a solid. I understand where their viewpoint is coming from, um, and you know any other stretch for you know candidate that I was looking. I mean, I brought up uh, uh, Tony. I was about to say Tony Tolliver as a as for real, not a joke, but Anthony Tolliver. Or Mike Mike Scott, like these guys are in their on the wrong side of thirty, um, and I think that's where I get a little wary about making such a commitment or just kind of you know using what little resources or what limited resources they have this year or they had this off season on one free agent target. But I don't know. I I don't think it's I think it's precisely what it is. I don't think it's this. Uh, apocalyptic move, like you know, crushing move, but I just think it's kind of it's a playing it very safe, which you know, you can either criticize or you could just say, like, like, phew, but either way, I think it's just you know, 
I, I understand where they're coming from with the need with someone that they're familiar with. And I know a lot, I've seen a lot of people talk about it, you know, and maybe reactionary or even the, in the time since the whole, it, you know, the report from Woj came through. I think Ursula's going to have a bigger role than what people are projecting. I know they're thinking he has like a backup for it, but if he's like, if how we saw him in the playoffs this year, he's not just going to play the four. He can play no, the five. No, they- that's Kevin Pelton. I wrote about this in my grades of him. Kevin Pelton highlighted that as something really interesting to watch out for because when Embiid sat in Philly, they did some really good and productive things with Ilyasova at the five. And he yeah. suggested, you know, Yanis Ilyasova combo could be incredibly potent offensively. And I'd agree with that. And under under Bud, if you could have those two guys in the front court and three shooters behind them, that is really interesting. I, I think what I like about Ursan is he gives you lots of options like that on both ends of the floor. You can just kind of, you can rely on him for certain things. And I know how crazy that sounds because Bucks fans are Every, so used to his so tainted with Yeah. But he's a different player now. You're not looking for him to put up 16 and 8 a night playing 30 minutes as a starter. And I also, again, the league has changed. You know, yeah. it has. he's a guy who it's played more towards his skill set as time has gone on. I, you brought up two really interesting things that I want to talk about there. First of all, I, on in kind of comparing this to the DiVincenzo and maybe an element of it being safe or solid, you've prompted an idea in my mind that I'm not sure I thought of it before, but is it safe to say the books think they're better than they are? Or maybe that's oh, that, unfair, I, maybe that's an unfair way of putting it. Are they really convinced that there's a whole other level in this team that maybe wasn't being achieved under Jason Kidd, can be achieved under Budenholzer, or they've guys that are set to take a jump? Like, is is that what we can take from those moves? Is they really do feel it's just supporting pieces because they think there's more there that they weren't getting out of the team the last couple of years. I, I believe that going in. I think that's why I'm skeptical. I, I'm not saying I'm never going to say never that they're going to have a, 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 you know, a fundamentally foundation changing trade or any players that don't necessarily fit that we can easily identify. But I think the fact that they went with all the problems that the Bucks had this last year, um, they really believe in Mike Budenholzer as their coach and that he can really unlock them. And they, they took the Celtics, who went to the Eastern Conference Finals, to seven games last year through all the muck that <laughs> Lester was. I do think that they – I think that's been kind of – maybe not from Bucks fans. I think a lot of people have said, like, the Bucks themselves are really high on the team that they've assembled. And, oh, um, I think, like, to be fair – we all know they've underachieved. Like that's that's literally that's the point of the frustration that so many people have is there is a lot here, or there has been maybe the options have diminished over time with decisions that have been made, but there is still like there's potential for something really good here. Um with those two moves though, they are pointing to they really believe that, and they may not be wrong. Like we watched enough Jason Kidd basketball to know how bad that was, and we talked enough to about you know what could a good coach do here by putting just basic things in place there's lots of things like we we can talk about like big collapses defensively and all of the weirdness that surrounds it but think of the number of games where the books just gave up a big run they didn't have to play all that badly and they'd lose because they got off on this crazy disastrous defensive run if something like that gets removed you could pick up four games just like that like without anything else major happening just pretty easily 
50-50 in those games would probably give you another four wins in the season. So, yeah, I, I think that's interesting, but it seems to be something they're leaning into. The other element, you, to bring up you in time with Tolliver and obviously Ursan, Mike's got age being a factor here. I'm not as bothered with that because Ursan's game is not remotely predicated on things that are going to get worse with time. It's not, it's not about athleticism. It's about how smart he is. And I think he's, if anything, he's only getting better at some of his biggest strengths because they are down to his positional awareness, his basketball IQ, his understanding of what players around the league are doing. Like if we talk about his defense, he shouldn't be a good defender. <laughs> with, with, with the physical tools he has, he shouldn't be a good defender. He is a really, really good positional defender. And look, not to go back to this whole this whole story, but the books were second best defense in the league the last time Ilyasova was there. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they were 22nd the year after trading. And yeah. I, I bring that up because we talked a lot in the aftermath of that. Because they came together, because of the exact nature of the deals, about how Dudley and Petulia being kind of just cast aside would have dramatically like led to that decline in the defense overnight. Ursan equally applied, and they dumped him just the same. There were just players that came back who they instantly waived as a part of that deal. Like there is something to be said for everything that went wrong. He may have been one of the players who did a better job of papering over the cracks of kids' defense. And his overall play defensively in recent years would add up to, yeah, this guy is that smart enough. He's a good individual defender. Is that smart enough? Is smart enough. He's a good individual defender. He makes his team better defensively that, yeah, he probably could have covered up some of the issues at that time. And maybe it was never as good to begin with as the personnel were just helping it at that point. And yeah, they took a bold move that really backfired then. But I do. I'm I'm intrigued by a lot of the elements of it, and I think um, I included again in my grades piece. I linked to it. I I also linked to it in my news piece. Anyone who's read anything I've written so far on on Ursan's return may have seen it. But there's a great piece from. It's only a couple of weeks after Ursan was traded to the Hawks by Scott Cachola of the New York Times, where it's basically about Ursan's ability to draw charges. But there's some really interesting details in that about roles that the Hawks under Bud and the current staff, which are now in Milwaukee, implemented on the defensive end, what they asked for non-shot blockers to do near the baseline, and just how perfectly Ursan fit that. And if any of those elements are going to be incorporated in Milwaukee, well, now they've got their guy. It's like they, there is someone who is a real specialist for the kind of thing they look to do with that role, with those positions on the defensive end. And hey, other areas, I mean, he can shoot. He's not a dead eye. He's not Mirza, but he'll make some trees. He'll certainly make some long range twos and he can rebound. And the books are very much lacking in rebounding. Um, Ursan has a ridiculous knack for being able to grab offensive rebounds in particular. Neither of those things are going to hurt the books. I, I think overall, if you look at a lot of things the books need and kind of the makeup of him as a player, how he's helped good teams. He like he was one of the pieces that before they blew it up last year, allowed the Hawks that extra run of competitiveness when Bud just wanted to keep pushing when they really shouldn't have been able to do that. 
he was one of the guys that got kind of a zombie Hawks team to the playoffs, got them into a competitive series with the Wizards. And then he became really important and what was an obviously really talented Sixers team last year. I, I think there's a lot to like, and there's interesting things they can do with his role. I think he's an obvious and instant fit. Um, two years, 13.6 million isn't as bad as three years, 21. And I, I think that's the instant visceral three years, 21. I mean, I think that hurts it, but two years, 13.6 is pretty good for someone who can give you what he should give you based on what he's done the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I agree. I, I that was my I was holding out hope for that third year to be either some kind of option or non guaranteed. And I, I wasn't out. someone I was tweeting with someone, and I very frankly said, "Yeah, I just don't think it will be non guaranteed." I've given up on the possibility of those kind of just smart wrinkles added to deals, but they came true with one. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on Ursan on about his fit? Um, I, I don't know. I think you hit a lot of interesting points on the head. I mean, familiarity is there. I think it's we're. I think the big point about it is, you know, we make jokes and we'll certainly probably touch on the other. Uh, oh, we will. That's, that's why, that's why I said, is there anything else you want to talk about on Ursan? Like yeah. well, we can make some more good stuff to talk about, or at least average stuff to talk about before we get to the other stuff, but come on. Um, We'll make jokes about you know the Bucks trying to bring back <laughs> Bucks uh, greats uh, from from lore um, back to the team, but uh, I think I do think there is something to be said about Ursan being in a more complimentary role um, alongside Giannis and Chris in their fully formed. I mean, if you really think about a lot of the person. I probably have said this before, but if you think about a lot of the personnel that the Bucks had under the kids' first year, like that they really fit what they need um, at this point. I'm Are not saying, saying that they Jared should. Gets bought out. I'm not what, saying that. I'm not saying is a free agent. Out. I'm not saying go after Michael Carter Williams either. But I'm just Rockets saying it's okay. Yeah, that's so weird. Anyway, um, I just think. I think if you think about a lot of those guys that, are, that was on that team, they filled the role and it it was germinating before they really, you know, try to go for that big home run hit uh, with Greg Monroe. And, you know, we don't have to rehash that part about it, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic about the earth sun. I understand it's going to grum, ruffle a lot of feathers and it has, but um, I think if you just look at it from the two years, 13.6 or yeah, 13.6 million, um, you know, rate. I think that's a solid kind of C plus B minus, you know, move. And if that's what the bucks are aiming for this off season, which I would say is both the DiVincenzo pick and the Ursan contract at this point. Um, I think that's fine. I think there's also the question of what were they aiming for and what was realistic. Like I, I don't know how much more we could have expected than this Urson deal. I think personally, my preference, I think your preference, I think everyone's preference because on the outside, it's just more fun and exciting and it allows us to hypothesize and daydream about what might come in the future. Would have been a young guy where they're taking a, a real flyer yes. and it could become something that's a game changer. 
the odds of that are probably lesser finding that player than finding a safe reliable veteran contributor i think the other thing to frame all of the the ursan stuff and it's this doesn't necessarily make it good or great because the other things are bad but if if i'm now to ask you like what's what's the best role player contract that's resolved and isn't coming up next season on the team it's ursan like it's not even it's not even close also i mean he could have a no trade clause in this which i don't know but if that's not the case this is a really tradable contract if they ever need to get involved in anything too this is a contract teams would be happy to have a player teams are generally happy to have um he's not gonna cause you any locker room problems he buys in he competes every night and he just tends to contribute i think he averaged double digits in scoring with the sixers last year i mean i think i think that's honestly i know this is I'm certain people are going to balk at what I'm about to say, but I think we talk about that, that Sixers team and how that they were really good for the first half of the year. There's no doubting the, what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are. And obviously they're in the running for bigger free agents. And obviously the Kawhi situation looms, but I will, it's going to be interesting to see them without kind of the floor spacers of Ursan. Marco Bellinelli, Bellinelli, and obviously JJ Reddick's a free agent too. I'm not saying that it's going to backfire on them meet like completely like it did with the Bucks a couple of years ago, but I'm just saying those are they filled their roles really well with Philly, and maybe it was that that two month bump, um, you know, later in the season. But that that's I think those are bigger losses than. Well, that's look, they're obviously a much better team and a much higher place. But they are all equivalent to us talking about Ursan, or Ursan, uh, Dudley, and Zaza going in 2015. It's it's the same. It's the you can't have those veteran guys who are kind of giving you things that are seem seem innocuous and seem not all that essential around the fringes, and then they can be gone. You're left with your young guys, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, that was more important than we thought. That is literally what happened with the books and they've admitted that ownership admitted it and yeah you, you may be you may be right on that of course there's also the possibility that yeah. the sixers will swap person and Sovo for lebron james and marco <laughs> bellinelia for Kawhi leonard and jj reddick will come back on a minimum or something so and i think i think that will back <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah look i i i can't be glowingly positive about this because i think no. There are it's opportunity cost is is what holds you back. But I think the deal is fine in a vacuum. It's not good, it's not great, it's fine. I much prefer to paying Doug McDermott 21 million over three years. Like, I mean, you can take a swing for the future. That's full guaranteed, right? Yeah. Did I read that right? Okay. Full guaranteed. You can take a swing for the future. That's a guy who just hasn't there's no real track record of him producing yet. I mean, you could say he He's shown he can shoot, but not at the level where you're giving him that amount of money over three years. I'd rather the shorter term safe bet to that. But yeah, this is not then either. Like this is not an Ed Davis bargain, right? It's not. It's not something that you're like, wow, they got a steal here. I think they'll be better because of this move, though, and that will solve a lot of problems. Like <laughs> I think that's something that maybe you know, as fans, it's easy to overlook in the heat of the moment but if the books could actually not be 
frustratingly inconsistent and a complete mess at times, a lot of the frustration over role player contracts goes away. And there's, you know, there's an element where those things contribute to that. But there's also the part that I think about 70% of the fan base and ultimately the owners believed, which was coaching wasn't doing any of those guys any good. It was doing them a disservice. So they've changed the coach. Hopefully the coach can improve that with role players. And yeah, we'll see what happens from there. Um, we'll get to Jennings and the Jennings weirdness we've gone through today. But briefly, let's touch on Jabari. No real news yet. Um, teams that had space and could have offered him something have started using it. We mentioned the Pacers and the Suns throwing Trevor Ariza, the money they did. Even teams like the Jazz were often linked to him. They're scheduled to uh, to meet Derek Favors today, I believe, would look to bring him back. The, the Nets obviously moves on Ed Davis and Joe Harris. Options are running out very quickly, and one option that's also rapidly disappearing is the books. And I mean, my takeaway so far is He's not he's not even remotely a priority for the books. It's like if he if he comes back, if he signs a qualifying offer, they'll probably say, Great, okay, one year of a guy with that ability at like five million, fine. Um they're not worried about having room to match an offer. In fact, they're perfectly prepared to tempt a team and say, make an offer and we can't afford it. To me, we're already a big step closer to Jabari's time with the books coming to an end. And I think it could actually now come to an end much quicker than we anticipated. I, I thought they would wait, regardless of their intentions. Going and pulling the trigger on using their mid-level straight away, that's a real, real strong you know, signal of their intent. And I don't think that will have gone unnoticed by Jabari and his agent. And I don't think he'll be particularly pleased with it. That free agency opens them rather than, oh, look, here's the offer we're giving you. We don't want you to be receiving offer sheets. They go out and they sign Ursa and Eliasova to be a backup. Am I reading too much into that, or is the writing really on the wall for Jabari now, if it wasn't before? No, I, I, I don't think too much has to be right. I've heard some people say it does. Signing Urson does not preclude the Bucks to go after Jabari and bring him back, but it doesn't. I, I made this point earlier. I think a lot of people, again, from a non-Bucks perspective, are kind of they're doing the mental gymnastics to try and work out how the Bucks are going to do this. And I think the really simple way of this is. The books aren't looking to do it. Don't don't worry your mind about it. They're not looking to bring back Jabari Parker. It's really what it seems like. If they can get him on a super cheap deal, maybe they'll change their mind. I've I don't have good feelings. I, I don't. If if you want to keep Jabari Parker around, if you're in that camp, if you're gonna be upset about it, I'd start to prepare yourself. Um how this has started has kind of lined up with some of what I believed and some of what I even heard, but it's gone in a much stronger way even than I'd anticipated in that regard. I I don't don't see how it's gonna work out for him. Um not certainly in a way that would keep him happy, which was always always the big challenge. Already a major incident has happened that would only make him even more unhappy coming back. And that to me was always part of the challenge is if you can't come to terms on a deal where he's going to be really like invested and excited to be contributing, do you even want him in the locker room next year? Maybe they made a decision on that. Yeah, I, I think too. Um, you know, hiring Budenholzer is not an insig- ins- uh, insignificant um, uh, 
addition because we talked about it the other day. I he's not a player that just strikes me as you know <laughs> a bud favorite or anything like that. There's yeah. just so so many flaws with his game. The you know lack of two way uh, uh, impact and you know it's it just. I think that yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you said. I think they're banking on some other team making the decision for them because they have really more or less <laughs> braced themselves to or, or have not resigned themselves to it, but have braced themselves to say, you know, Sayonara. Yeah, and uh, again to touch on the bud element, him not being a bud player, the first thing they did when free agency opened was sign a guy who very much fits the bud mold of okay, we can point to how he'll contribute offensively, we can point to how he'll contribute defensively. You know, he can play multiple positions, we can fit him in this role or that role. These are all the all the questions that, you know, are concerns that don't apply or can't be, you don't come with a positive outcome with when you discuss some regard to Jabari. Okay, before we wrap up, Brandon Jennings, Jordan. Um, <laughs> well, I, I better just go through it, I guess, blow by blow. Um, today, Sunday, July 1st, was scheduled to be Brandon Jennings' guarantee date. If the Bucks didn't waive him today, he was going to be guaranteed for the season. Um, Mark Spears of the Undefeated came out very, very early this morning and revealed the books would not be waiving Jennings and his contract would be guaranteed for the season. In the time since, Mafaleska is a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, has come out with a report of his own saying that is not the case. The books have pushed back that decision, to which Mark J. Spears followed up with, that's news to Brandon Jennings, um, and the new guaranteed, guarantee date is August 1st rather than July 1st. Um, <laughs> your thoughts, Jordan? Um, well, yeah, <laughs> pretty self explanatory. Uh, I, I was mean, the one thing I'll say, and I've discussed this with a couple of people already, is um, everything Brandon Jennings related has come through Mark J. Spears, yep. and when I saw that this morning, my feeling, my feeling was. Oh, the source of that is Brandon Jennings or his agent. And as it turned out, that was the case. It just happened to happen in a way that wasn't the best for anyone involved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was stewing in just confusion and uh, bewilderment when I was writing the piece on it. Um, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> Crisis averted? I don't know. <laughs> it, it was it was a logical uh, uh, move to push it back before they uh, undoubtedly wave him, or even you know, they, maybe they have something in the works. Who knows? Um, well, I think now that they have delayed it, even if they don't have something in, in the works, they're keeping the option open to have something in the works. That's the thinking. Is okay, we don't have a whole lot, we can add something. If we need something, here is one. I mean, Zeller, I guess, also applies in that regard. They have two contracts that they could easily put in as filler and teams could just then happily move on with Zeller. I mean, they could wave him mid-season with Jennings. 
there'd be little cost to wave him or you could just see through the season. But yeah, it's it was weird. I mean, if they had a guaranteed him and it wasn't for a trade, and if that still does happen at some point, I, I'm out. <laughs> I mentioned this the other day, but I just that is not that's just that's like a breaking point because what what are we even doing here, Jordan? I really why are we doing podcasts on the team that wants to bring Brandon Jennings back next season? And when they already have, it's not like they're short on guards anymore. He was brought in when they desperately were short and they needed depth. As we've touched on plenty of occasions, though, he wasn't even good in the G League. I, 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 I will keep, the Bucks outside of that first game. I will keep saying this because I don't think people realize who don't watch the herd. He was not good in the G League. So, yeah, um, one of our favorites, Jordan off the board, Glenn Robinson the third. What? No. Gone to the Pistons, what? according to Shane Trainer. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad I, I was debating whether to tell Jordan, but I think you'll all agree it was worth it for that reaction. Jordan, mm-hmm. what next? What are you expecting? What no. sort of timeline do you see for anything? I mean, it's increasingly hard to predict when it just seems the books are incredibly <laughs> unpredictable <laughs> but ah. yeah what's next mm. not glam robinson the turret anyway yeah oh my god really ah oh, that's so disappointing oh i don't know who knows we'll bring back john brockman drew goodham <laughs> roko Vukic, uh it's really, it's really okay, Mayo. You're joking, but it's okay, Mayo. We... Stop. You said that to me. Yeah, you said that's that to me you... privately. I don't like this. That's why he left Puerto Rico two days ago. I mean, <sighs> it's OJ Mayo. Anyway, so we'll be back soon enough for the OJ Mayo signing podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, we'll be back relatively soon. If there's more news in the next couple of days, we're regarding Jabari, any other rumors for incoming sort of books, whether there's trade talk now, whatever it is, you can expect us to write about it, certainly, and we'll probably also podcast about it. If things go quiet now for a little while, you'll still hear from us pretty soon because Summer League is right around the corner. Um, we'll probably give some sort of preview before it starts, and then we'll we'll have some pods throughout the week anyway. So... Yeah, the books got some major business done sooner than we anticipated. Um, that's good news for Jordan and I um, in terms of, you know, not having to wait all summer. That's kind of the most important thing here, Jordan, right? Regardless of the player, the salary, just quick business means, you know, summer's nearly here. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that is it for us for now. As always, thanks to you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on, on Apple Podcasts, follow us on SoundCloud, Addison Stitcher, favorites on TuneIn Radio, if you want to make sure you don't miss any episodes of Winning Six in the future. You can also read all of our work behind oakpass.com. Um, we'll have every report that breaks, every detail. We'll have analysis of all the moves. We already have some Ursa analysis up there. I'm sure Jordan, a couple of weeks from now, he'll have something in have something cooking up on Ursan, some hot take. At the moment, he's going to just have to take some time to recover from his, from his little dog disappointment, though. We'll be back to you all very soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.